0: Hello, listeners. I'm Chloe Barlow, and I'd like to say thanks for joining us today for this edition of Columbia Chronicles. If you're looking to learn more about the inner workings of our community and the people who make it so special, you've come to the right place. This is your chance to understand how what's happening around you affects you and your daily life. And all it takes is about 30 minutes of your time. In this season, we're talking about literacy. 2020 marked the 50th anniversary of the University of South Carolina's School of Library and Information Science program. Our reporters from Carolina's Honors College have gathered interviews with graduates working across the country to see how they bring a love of literacy to their own communities. In this episode, Hannah Tutella takes us all the way to Seattle, Washington, where one graduate is changing lives in big ways, one small action at a time. I'm here with Beatrice
1: Pasquale Wallace, who earned her master's from the School of Information Science in 2001. She is currently a children's librarian at Seattle Public Library. What is a typical day at work like for you?
2: Um, typical day, lots of email. Um, I might be presenting, preparing, presenting a story time for uh, preschoolers, um, and then uh, usually the mornings are kind of slow because you know kids aren't out of school yet. But you get your retirees coming in and using computers, you know, helping people with computers. I'm, uh, my branches are located in neighborhoods where there's not as much access to tech, so we get a lot of people who um, need extra support accessing job applications and getting set up with email.
1: And on her not-so-typical days, you might find her petting a cockroach.
2: That was a—we were doing a training with Woodland Park Zoo. Uh, what was that all about? Um, Oh, no. Yeah, no, it was at the zoo. And it was in relation to bug safari, which comes out of, I think, California State University, and we're going to use the bug safari program as part of our summer of learning. So we were being trained on the bug safari program to learn how to, you know, what the components are and how to share it with kids and how to engage kids in the learning of the bug safari. So um, the zoo people, since we were training at the zoo, um, they brought out these bugs and I guess it was to help us not freak out, (laughs) to help us under, you know, to model for the kids, not to freak out, but to show curiosity and fascination. (laughs) So even if we were freaked out, we could be like, Ooh, look at this. He's cockroach.
1: Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so, did you, did you always know that you wanted to be a librarian? No. <laughs> uh,
2: I was kind of in my late thirties when I decided um, that that was going to happen. Uh,
1: her first job out of college was as a proofreader for a business newspaper in her hometown of Seattle. After that, she worked in the marketing department of HarperCollins Children's Books in New York City, she then ended up back in Seattle, working at University Bookstore in the Children's Department.
2: I was there for a few years and I kind of,
1: I enjoyed it, but I
2: sort of noticed that there were certain families who were not ever shopping at the bookstore, who were not carrying out loads of books that they had just bought for their
1: kids. What families boys there about?
2: Well, I, I would say most of the people who shop at the bookstore were pretty much middle to upper income families. And um, mostly white. I was not seeing a whole lot of families of color coming in to buy books for their kids, or even you know lower income uh, families. So definitely there was a certain um, income class where you were coming into the bookstore and saying, "Oh, I want to get the new Harry Potter for my child," and and that kind of that kind of bothered me a little bit because I mean to me it was important that families be able to share books together because reading is so important and literacy is um, the foundation of success in life. And um, so I was just thinking and thinking, gosh, how do we get people, how get, How do we give people access to books that's affordable or maybe even free? <laughs> and then at that point ding! libraries, I realized, yeah, I, I think I, I wanna go back to school and get my master's degree in librarianship and information science and work with youth.
1: You said that literacy is the foundation of success. I would love for you to keep talking about that.
2: Uh, well, I mean, we don't just stop learning when we graduate from high school or college. Um, we should always keep on learning. And um, if you're not literate, you're sort of limited in what you can um, you know, pick up and, and help you in your life and help others in their lives and help others to be successful too. And um, when, when your reading ability is limited, uh, you don't have as much access to all the possibilities of what you can learn. So um, that's why I think it's especially important.
1: So how did your time at CLIS prepare you for your career?
2: Oh my gosh, it fully prepared me. Um, I, Pat Feehan was, um, and she was my mentor and inspired me uh, to, uh, you know, serve kids with respect and and um, enthusiasm. And so I, I really felt like I was learning all I could there. It was very, I remember it being very hands-on, um, lots of activity and, um, she's just very inspiring and enthusiastic and just her, her, uh, love of serving kids and youth just, it just really carried through, through the classes. So that was very inspiring. And, um, I, I have to say my first library job, that was in Portland and while I was researching projects for my library school classes, um, On the topics I was interested in, I was always seeing articles citing or written by uh, librarians from Multnomah County Library in Oregon. I was like, well, that's interesting. I wanna go back to the Northwest anyway, maybe I should apply for a job there. And um, I did, and I did get the job. And they, um, they hired me to be the children's librarian to help open a brand new branch. And I kind of look back now and I think, (laughs) tag. <laughs> they really took a chance on me, but I, I credit it to my education. I think I was really fully prepared, and I showed it in my
1: interview. And You can hear the smile in her voice as she remembers Davis College.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, the floor, I mean, it's, it's a little bit warped, but I mean, it's just old in there, but old in a uh, not bad old, but I, I just, you know, you're talking about it now and I can see myself climbing the steps and just opening the door and walking into the hallway with dark flooring. I'm, I, this is what I'm imagining, maybe they've remodeled, I don't know, but, um, and I think there are pendulum lights hanging from the ceiling and then the stairs are a little warped <laughs> when you go upstairs. Uh, I remember one of my, uh, my youth programming class presented um, a puppet show for the faculty. (laughs) We did like basically a a story time and puppet show for the faculty. It was sort of our final project. So I remember doing that and they're all crowded into the room and they were, they enjoyed it. They had a good time. (laughs) yeah that's great so lots of fond memories of Davis College yeah I, I think what I appreciate about the school is it was just this informal collegial atmosphere there was no stuffiness there was no ivory tower attitude um the faculty was at that time was willing to share their knowledge and you know they were flexible and I don't know just really collegial I just felt really comfortable there um and uh it was this, yeah, that's, that, those, those are my fond memories of,
1: of Davis college. Um, tell me about Dr. Walling's diversity course. Um, so she, she
2: taught us a lot about, you know, how to bring library services to underserved communities. And that could be, it, it was a whole lot of things. It could be people with disabilities or immigrants or, um, prison libraries I learned a little bit about I I never even thought about prison libraries but it was interesting to hear that and um yeah so she just uh, really got us thinking about you know not just your traditional library users but people who might not be accessing the library or able to access it and how do you reach them
1: and as we'll see, Beatrice has done some amazing work to make libraries more accessible to those in need. In my career, I've actually opened
2: two branches in locations that were underserved. The one where I'm sitting in right now, uh, we opened this branch uh, 2006, fall of 2006. Um, the population is pretty much one-third Hispanic immigrant Spanish-speaking, and other immigrant groups and it's working class, Um, The school here is Title I. So lots of needs in this community and the community rallied. They say, we want a library in this community. Uh, So yeah, so now we've been here almost 15 years and it just pained me when the pandemic hit and we shut down. I mean, basically our building has not been open to the public for over a year and i think of all the people who come here because they don't have a computer at home and this is the way of keeping in touch with family or just you know checking their email or printing driving directions to get to a job interview and and so it just kind of killed me that we weren't we haven't been here for them you know a lot of the kids um uh, They may have challenges at home or at school or uh, special needs. So we just try to be welcoming and keep the library a safe space where they can come in and, you know, they can count on adults who are, you know, going to say hi to them and ask how they're doing and can help them with, you know, whatever library help they need.
1: So we kind of talked about um, you were in your 30s when you realized that you wanted to um, go into librarianship. Was there a moment early on in your career or at any point in your career where kind of like a light bulb moment where you were like, oh, wow, this is really meaningful work that I'm doing that's going to make a difference?
2: Uh, When I was working at Multnomah County Library in outside Portland, this woman came in, I, I speak a little bit of Spanish, not great, but I'm able to do some basic communications and this woman came in, she only spoke Spanish. And her English was just a little bit. And she wanted me to help her find her husband. And it turns out that he was in a prison somewhere and she didn't know which prison. And so um, how did I do this? Anyway, um, I I did a little research. Uh, She mentioned the last prison he was at that she knew. And I guess he got transferred and so um, in doing, trying to research that particular prison and their prisoner list, I realized you can't just call up a name. And so, but I realized that you had to have the prisoner number and you could find the person. So I explained this to her. She didn't have it on her, but she came back with the number and I was able to find out that he was at a, actually at a prison in Sheridan, Oregon. And then a couple of days later, another woman came in and, and must've been a friend of the first woman because she asked me to help her find her husband. And I was able to find it. She had the number and I was able to tell her where he was. And so it, that kind of moment, you're like, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Some people, they, a lot of people, they don't know where to find the information or where to turn. And that's why libraries are here. We're here to help navigate that path to the information that you're looking for. And then here at South Park, where we're always trying to connect with the kids, um, here at the library system, we have a student student assistant program, where um, if you're 16 and older in school, you can get a job at the library and um, it pays really well and we work with your school hours so you know we're not getting you to try and make you work during school hours or anything so anyway i would tell the kids they'd be as young as eight seven it's like hey someday you can get a job at the library you can be a student assistant you can make you know 13 dollars an hour at the time it's 13 um now it's 15. and um so they're like oh, they'd be really interested you know they're young and they're like oh, i want to work at the library and so, you know, every once in a while, I'd say, "Don't forget, you can someday. You can work at the library." And then they start getting into teenage years. I'm like, "Well, how old are you now?" "Oh, 14." "Well, in two years, you can apply for a job as a student assistant." And then, "Oh, you're 16 "Okay, I, that's how long I've been here." <laughs> These kids are growing up at the library, and I say, "Oh, you're 16 now." "Well, you know, we're taking accepting applications next month for student assistant. You should apply, and we'll look at your application and give you advice and da da da." And then a couple of my coworkers had gone through the system. And so they were willing to look over their resumes and applications and point out where they could punch it up some. So anyway, um, one of those kids that I was telling, hey, you should be a student assistant. She became a student assistant, um, got a job at the library and then um, got a permanent job at the library um, as a clerk. And then um, after college graduation, she decided to um, go to library school. And so now she's working on her degree and she's gonna be a librarian somewhere and she's gonna be fabulous. Having those
1: connections is, that's
2: something that I'll always remember.
1: Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's insane to just like, to see such a lasting impact on someone.
2: Yeah, And, and especially in this community, it's like, you know, we're just, we want to be this little positive oasis for folks. And um, and so to see some of these kids graduating from high school and getting to colleges and, you know, coming back and saying, oh, well, hi, Miss V. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, what are you doing now? And uh, so I, it, it really warms our hearts here at the library to see a lot of these kids, you know, growing up and, and finding opportunities and, and getting internships and Back when they were little, you know, we worried about them. Like, I hope you make it through this life because I'm not sure. But then they just they surpass our expectations and it's
1: wow. pretty cool. To see. Yeah, well, they've got a great resource, obviously.
2: Yes. Well, we like to think we had some small part in her
1: success. <laughs> Last last question. Do you have any advice for future librarians or future graduates of the iSchool? I,
2: I would say make the most of the opportunities that are there for you. Um, look, look for opportunities and, and get involved. Be actively involved in your education. Uh, uh, be flexible. Be ready to roll with the punches and be open to learning what, you know, Open to learning, to what you can do, and be in a successful workplace.
0: Thanks again to Hannah Tutella for her reporting, which recognizes the legacy of literacy the school has helped create. Today, it goes by a different name, the School of Information Science. It's a community of students, scholars, staff, and alumni dedicated to improving society through the transformation of data information and information into knowledge. The school is responsible for shaping the future of librarians, information specialists, number crunchers, business leaders, and community educators. In our next episode, we'll meet one of those community educators back here in our own hometown. Columbia Chronicles provides in-depth coverage of news and issues important to the greater Columbia community. It's produced through a partnership between the University of South Carolina's School of Journalism and Mass Communications and USC Student Media. For a full transcript of today's episode, go to www.garnetmedia.org and look for Columbia Chronicles under podcasts. Thanks to Lucy and Kemper for today's music. Before you head out, we have a quick message for you. I got you. Wait, I'm going to get a better It can happen to anyone's
2: child. Nearly 100 kids and teens were killed by guns in South Carolina in 2019. What can you do to prevent it? Lock up your guns and make sure you ask others to do the same before letting your kids come to play. Visit AAP.org for tips to safely store your guns.